Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Out of Character. This is Jupiter Sanders and today we're going to talk about munchkins and power gamers and how they interact with the world of gaming. And I have two people with me today. I have Cyclotron who is one of our faction leaders for the Without, of Net, Without a Net upcoming Vampire the Masquerade. Welcome. Hello. And I have Chuck from Without a Net uh, Shadowrun turned Finn Call of Cthulhu, turned Iona Aliens, turned Jimbo in the Without a Net upcoming Vampire the Masquerade. Tom. Hello. Hello. I'm very happy that both of you came on because both of you have opinions on this. And I know, uh, Tom, I think uh, as far as when it comes to numbers crunching, you are the one that I play with the most that can crunch numbers like quickly and figure out probabilities and stats. So to me, you seem power gamer-ish, but you actually aren't. You're very much a, a player who doesn't try to find every way to, to squeeze all the juice out of the character. Well, I did for a bit. Before I started really doing some games, I did. Oh. But then I stopped because... You're in recovery. That's good. Sure. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> and Psychotron, you were also, you've also been a self-professed power gamer in the past. Yeah. Again, yeah. again, in the early days, learning the systems, you know, be the best you could at what you could do, but got more into role play after that. So for people that maybe don't know, or maybe in their minds think both power gamer and munchkin are basically the same thing. They aren't, right? Tom, what's your definition of a power gamer? Uh, so a power gamer is someone who uses the system mechanics rules of a game to be as good as possible or to get like a single stat as high as possible or use everything inside the game, maybe mm -hmm. in character, out of character, to make things as good as possible, but never outside of the framework of it being a game. Okay. And then, Psychotron, how would you define a munchkin? A munchkin basically takes the power gamer a step further. Every single little bitty thing they can find to get them that plus one bonus, that one more die, even if it makes absolutely no sense in context, but it's legal in the game, they're going to do it. Okay. I have a small objection on that one. I would okay. also say a... A munchkin doesn't necessarily have to be good at the game. If they can just argue their point to try and bully the players or the GM to get their way is also a munchkin. Does that make sense? Do you, do you agree, Psychotron? Yeah, I can agree with that. Uh, you know, I've always said the biggest difference in munchkins and power gamers is how they actually play the game. You know, the power gamer while can be annoying is not necessarily a bad thing munchkin in my opinion is always a bad thing okay so a power gamer is still respectful of the game respectful of the mechanics but a munchkin is somebody who you guys would say would negatively like abuse things within the game in that effort to to win the power gamer wants to remain in the confines where the munchkin uses any tactic available yeah i can agree with that yeah okay Okay, so let's talk about munchkins then. Have you guys, I know you guys are 
both GMs. Have you ever dealt with a munchkin? What are they like when they're sitting at a table? How do I know I have a munchkin either in my group or I'm playing with them at a table? I walk into a game store and do a pickup game. How do I know there's a munchkin there? Uh, well, I think the first player I ever GM'd was a munchkin. <laughs> he, I was making my own game, like my own RPG, because my parents said I couldn't play D&D for whatever reason. Yeah, um, the devil. Yeah, exactly. So I just decided <laughs> to make my own. So I trusted them to follow the rules. And they were just lying and cheating on dice rolls. They, it was a percentile-based system that I was using, that I was making. And never rolled below an 80. Wow. I didn't catch on because I was like 12 at the time. But <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So there's, there's an obvious munchkin. Just straight up cheating. I have actually had a player at a table, not as the GM, but just as another player. I was like, this person just seems to roll 20s like eight times a night. How come I never roll that well? So you're telling me that 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 person most likely was he was a bit i think given your definitions he was a bit of a munchkin so if there's outright cheating or just things just seem to go really well for them uh, not necessarily right outright cheating yes that's mm -hmm. pure munchkin for sure but i mean things statistically could go well right if you're rolling mm -hmm. you know on average it'd be what 80 times 20 would be or sorry eight sorry times 20 would be uh 160 mm-hmm 160 rolls yeah that's on average you should get that number of you should be rolling that many times but still it's not out of the park if you're doing say 60 rolls 80 rolls which is still a high number to mm -hmm. get a decent it was um, like every time he rolled well that's probably a munchkin then. yeah <laughs> all right so outright cheating at the uh at their rolls anything else that tipped you off or looking back on it, you go, all right, this was also a sure sign of a munchkin. Because I was writing the rules for said system, hmm? they would bully me saying, oh, that doesn't make sense. Maybe you should change the rule to this. And again, being 12 and like, oh, yeah, maybe. Sure. Let's 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 say that's how it works. Mm -hmm. So just I don't I'm trying to kind of GM their way as a player. I have had players that kind of seem to to bully at a table not necessarily over rules but over just situational stuff so if if they're doing if they kind of are bullying about uh, situation rules whatever that's also a sign of a munchkin if in, in order to benefit them obviously i assume the rule change was to make it better for them yes, yes. okay okay <laughs> yeah I, I, yes if, it, if it's always rules brought up to only benefit them Mm -hmm. sure sometimes that can be more rules lawyer which could be a little power gamey side depending on how your table is set up mm -hmm. right if you're playing a strict rules as written game mm -hmm. then a rules lawyer might not necessarily be bad for the table and would be more mm -hmm. power gamey than munchkin in my opinion mm -hmm. uh, but if it's always just brought up to to win mm -hmm. then yeah Psychotron, have you had a munchkin at your table? Uh, yeah, a guy that I actually gamed with this guy for years because he was one of the few people in my small area that actually played. So, but you know, again, you get into the, you know, the rules lawyering thing was a big thing with him. But 
the biggest thing was getting personally upset when things didn't go right for his character. I mean, I almost had to break up a fist fight in one game. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Munchkin seemed to be really adverse to anything not going well for their characters. Yeah. Yeah. Even just bringing up that where uh, players getting really upset about things not happening for their characters. Same player, much more recently, playing Shadowrun, I believe. Uh, just arguing that, not not arguing, but being just upset because I wanted to get the story moving and his character was injured because of it. Not dead, just like... Just injured. Just injured, you know. You might have to spend some new yen to, to get fixed up. And he was upset about this. And he was upset because if he would have known that if that was going to happen, he would have done it differently and backpedaled. And I'm like, dude, chill. It's like 500 new yen, like whatever. I'll raise <laughs> your money you're getting for your reward by 500. Fixed. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I could go through life knowing all my decisions, how they would work out before I make them, I would love that too. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Alas. <laughs> okay. So a munchkin is... Um, all right. I think I, I think I can spot the munchkin. A power gamer, I think I have dealt with more. How do I know I have a power gamer at my table? Psychotron. Well, to stick with the Shadowrun thing, if he's rolling 15 or more dice as a starting character, he's a power gamer. Mm-hmm. You know, it, his stats are going to be exceptional in one area and crappy, if not non-existent in any others. And, you know, he's going to have a lot of opinions about what his character can do and should do. And that's all he should do. Okay. All right. Anything else? Well, I can think of a couple. So uh -huh. when, I would, when I would power game uh, back when I was playing Pathfinder. I would always suggest like, hey, if you took a five foot step here, you'd get a plus two for flanking. Or if you did this small thing here, you'd get a small plus one or plus two or this small thing here in the middle of combat. I would make advice mid turn on someone else's player of someone else's character. Like that's that's a little munchkin because I, I don't know if they were it was all often unasked for, but mm -hmm. also getting pointing out every single small benefit that they might miss and mm -hmm. you know i say it was power gamer because i'd say hey there is that there but not like yell at them or get upset at them for not taking the plus two i think the munchkin would do that yes. get angry why aren't you doing this i yeah. think the power gamer does it as a um trying to be helpful it, trying to be helpful but also i think uh matt koval says this is a, a player type the strategist there's this yeah. person that understands that if, if as a group, if we do this, this, and this, we would then be able to do this or we'd get this bonus. And so they kind of try to direct and help strategize the group in order to do the best. Again, not a bad thing, but only if it's like welcomed. If it's welcomed and it fits the table, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I think a power gamer is that person who, when you sit at a table, they say, hey, let me look at your character sheet. 
And they look at it and then they bring that red pen out and go, you need to change this and this. And I don't know why you did this and you should do this. And you, why did you take these spells? These make no sense. You would take this, this, and that. They're that person that wants to help you be the best you can be. Whether you want that help or not. Whether you want that help or not. But they do it. I, I think a power gamer does it from the idea of be the best, not like you did bad. They just want you, they just see where you could do better. And I think a munchkin just is a little more negative about it, comes from a more negative space, whereas a power gamer can. But I think most power gamers are just, they have a mind that can understand things and crunch numbers and figure out how things work together and build a perfect character. Absolutely perfect. And that's, that's my experience with some power gamers. And I, I respect them. It's a wonderful, it's a, it's a beautiful mind. I wish I had it because it's great. It seems wonderful. But sometimes it's like, yeah, but it doesn't make sense for my character to have that spell. Never tell a power gamer those words. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so one thing I have noticed, I found more often than not, I think it's more of a mechanical thing. Power gamers tend to play magic-based characters mm -hmm. because in most games like magic is a single attribute or like you can just power that one thing and then get good at a wider variety of things mm -hmm. so you go oh yeah who needs stealth when i have invisibility and getting plus 20 on stealth who needs mm -hmm. to put skill points in it right or who needs to get better at you know, some type of damage when i can fireball instead it's same attributes, same everything. I, just because systems tend to be designed in a way to make it so... Well, playing Pathfinder, it would be single attribute dependency versus multi-attribute mm -hmm. dependency character classes. Mm -hmm. And because you can just focus one, you just crank everything into that one to get as much benefit. And casters tend to be that. I think, I think a power gamer also thinks about... They, they do a cost-benefit analysis of every decision in making a character. And like you say, if magic, if this one skill affects this many things, that's the best cost benefit in the game. Oh, for sure. Again, I totally understand. I can respect it. I think it's great. But where I think that Munchkin and the Power Gamer kind of deviate from the more narrative players or even just new players that are just wanting to RP. Just I would just want to play pretend and fight and find treasure and whatever. I think what it comes down to the storyline for the characters. How do munchkins deal with background story for a character? I think there's two extremes. Okay. You have one where it doesn't care. Mm -hmm. They just oh uh he's an orphan, has no family showed up in the tavern one day and he swings a great sword mm. right or is he's an orphan abandoned at a wizard tower he killed his master after leaving and then he's being hunted or something pointless like that uh -huh. right there is no real downside to mm -hmm. uh, his backstory and the other one is the complete opposite where they might make this most intricate backstory possible but because they might not have so like I said at the beginning where a munchkin doesn't necessarily have to have good rules knowledge, but a power gamer does. Mm 
these are the people who know nothing about the rules and then complain when they're rolling like horrible numbers because they couldn't optimize their character well enough. Mm -hmm. So their backstory doesn't match the character sheet and they just huff and puff and complain and try every single possible way outside of the rules to get better and to get what they want. Mm -hmm. And then they will always use the, oh, but my character wouldn't do that, but not in a way to make the game better. So do you mean those backstories? Because I think on the LC, I saw this a lot. It was, oh, I was, I worked for, you know, Evil Corporation. I was part of the HTR or the, the, yeah, the HTR team. I, you know, basically just, I'm the best of the best special ops elite force. Uh, you only have 12 die though in shooting. So would you be that? Like, right, exactly. You know? <laughs> Where they have a backstory of being this fantastic person who's capable of all this stuff. Yeah. And then they com they they don't match it. And then they mm -hmm. complain and just say, like, they'll say you're a bad GM because you're just making everything too hard because their character's supposed to be the best. Or they'll complain about someone else's character who was supposed to be some street thug, but he's a power gamer. Hmm. And he knew that, oh, getting 16 dice is really easy in shooting. And mm -hmm. so this... Street Punk is now outclassing this HTR mm -hmm. because the backstory doesn't match the stats. And I'm then, death incarnate, but I only have 10 dice. It right. doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the munchkin will take it out on the other players and not themselves. Okay. What about you, Psychotron? Do you notice anything about a munchkin and how they deal with the background stories for their characters? Do you agree with Tom? Oop, hitting the wrong button. Sorry about that. <laughs> Happens to everyone. <laughs> but I've also seen munchkins whose background story makes no logical sense whatsoever because they're trying to explain why they are a magic user who can swing a two-handed sword because they were raised by barbarians after their wizard father was killed or something like that. Yes. They try to shoehorn a lot of different things into that yeah. background story. I or see. The Pathfinder one is the Kitsune. I want to play this super fox person and you know in setting oftentimes they're supposed to be like hunted or usually not very well treated but then they just want to be the super anime trope kitsune and then complain about everyone not following not playing along or whatever when in reality it's just them not being a good player mm -hmm. that brings up something else the whole like you said the, the kitsune the kitsune is supposed to have a hard life. It's hunted. It deals. There's a negative effect to taking that, right? Just like in D and D, if you're a tiefling, your people are supposed to look at you a little sideways, like eh, you're basically a demon walking the earth. Eh. You're going to deal with something. A Shadowrun. There's the racism tropes. You know, if you're a troll or to some extent an elf, although I don't understand why, um, people are going to treat you differently. Do you find that the munchkin doesn't embrace those aspects of the character? Like they, they see this character and they think it's a, or this race or class and they go, I, I like it. I just don't like all these negative drawbacks. So can we just get rid of those either through my background story or as a GM, if you're a good GM, you'll just remove those portions just so I can focus on all the good parts to it. Does that happen at all? 
Yep. And if you do bring it up, you're like, they're like, why are you picking on me? What have I done? Yeah, why are you picking on me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. They'll often take it personally. Exactly. Hmm. Like, hey, I want to start a story arc encompassing the racism in this setting. And you happen to be one that is racist against, you know, hey, you're playing an orc and you're going into fight Humanus. They're going to be racist against you. Oh, yeah. Why? Why are you surprised? I'm not targeting. I, I'm targeting you specifically because you played an orc in a racist setting. Mm -hmm. And then they'll take it personally about whatever. Yeah. So let's go to the power gamer then. How do they deal with their background stories? They usually play just a boring human. <gasps> really? Usually, that's not like I either see it as they play the most. In most games, humans have like in Pathfinder, for example, they'll have an extra feat, which is strong and useful. Uh, and then they'll get a plus two to one attribute, which is again you can put it to your single attribute that you are dependent on. While and then in Shadowrun. A human costs zero character build points. So then you can focus on making everything else as good. Because, honestly, the other meta types don't provide that much benefit for, say, a caster. Or, unless you're being a super tank, right? Then you want to be a troll. But mm -hmm. it's just humans tend to be just the most... Cost-efficient. Exactly. They're usually the most cost-efficient. Or they'll give you a small bonus that's not as good as the others but you get to put it exactly where you want it well which is that what most power gamers would prefer mm -hmm. over oh sure i get a plus four to dex but i need int now the the other option is the ones who would go specifically for they're either a very boring human or they go to the best race possible and then for their backstory they don't typically think of it psychotron do you have anything to add to that uh, some of the power gamers I've seen, they actually will build complex backstories for their character just to explain why they're so good at what they do. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, the reason they have this rare item is because, you know, I don't, I can't think of a story right off the top of my head of where it happened, but you know, they go, they try to explain why they are so good instead of just this is what my dice say. This is what I've got. Mm -hmm. I think I've seen a lot of uh, power gamers, like like Tom said, they're going to choose the race that's going to get them the most benefit. So they're going to build the character sheet and all the mechanics first. And then when the GM goes, all right, what's your backstory? They kind of look at the GM like a deer in headlights. Like, what do you mean? Like, what does it matter? Because there's literally no benefit mechanically to making a backstory so i think they feel it's a wasted exercise <laughs> why do i need it forget it and you'll get maybe a sentence out of them uh yeah i've seen that very uh, that's usually what i see but I, i'll agree with psychotron there have been a few times where like there's a few playing pathfinder ages ago was they wanted to make the marvel superheroes as D, &D characters mm -hmm. or pathfinder characters sorry so they put some backstory based off of the classes they picked. Again, it was very minimal. It's like one of the ones that I remember is Captain Andoran, which is a Captain America. So he does shield bashes and has a pistol. And so that build is Andoran is a country. So he's just an actual captain in the Andoran Liberation Army or something like that. 
and he goes about and frees slaves. And that's his, their story arc is he had, that's it, two sentences. Mm-hmm. And that sort of line, or usually very minimal backstory, though, yeah. Yeah, it is. It does. It does feel very minimal, unless you're the Munchkin, who's going to try to shoehorn so many things into it just to have art, you know, a basis for their argument later with the GM. So you guys are both GMs. You guys are professed in recovery power gamers. You've dealt with Munchkins. You've GM for Munchkins. You've had them at your table. So as GMs, if I'm a brand new GM and I see this. I see this happening at my table. What what should I do to help curb it or help redirect it or what do you, what do you suggest? What's your best advice to a brand new GM that is confronted with this at a table? Talk to the players if it's a problem. To the other players? No, to the oh. one the problem player. Well, first of all, okay. you should have had a session 0 to kind of set. Well, they didn't trip they didn't trip any flags then. Okay. Because they've dealt with this a lot. They know how to fly under the radar until you get into the game. Then you, <laughs> after you, your session zero, you just talk to them. Like, I've had a problem recently with a player who was playing and got like a, what, it was s- stupid numbers. I'm like, no, we told to aim for this target number. You are almost double. <laughs> Yes, the rules say you technically can, but no, let's just tone it down so that there's balance across the board. And this was more of a power gamer player, so they're like, fine, begrudgingly, and just moved those that that the money spent on cyberware um, to something else. And then mm-hmm. they just filled in the gaps in their character elsewhere. Which, sure, that went perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So for power gamers, yeah, talking with them usually, or even Munchkins, talk with them to like try and figure out what the problem is really power gamers typically aren't bad their Mm -hmm. biggest problem like i find power gaming after i've realized power gaming is for the most part pointless because as a gm i can just raise the difficulty of a role and oh look at that you're not succeeding as much or i just make it i just make the setting so it doesn't affect them the biggest problem is when there's a big disparance uh, discrepancy in power level mm-hmm. so, between the other players at between the, the table other players. And correct the, yeah that player yeah so if one person's in shadow run rolling like 30 to hit versus the everyone else is rolling six <laughs> or whatever sure if they're for 30 to hit and that's all he does and he's just there for getting physical like shooting stuff Sure, that works. And you can kind of work with that. But if then the other people who want to do physical combat aren't anywhere near the 30 or you know whatever dice you're rolling, then you need to kind of just bring them closer somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Munchkins, I don't know. I've never actually thrown out a Munchkin player because games just end before they can get to the point of throwing them out. <laughs> Usually because of the fault of the Munchkin. <laughs> The munchkin kills the game before yeah, you often, talk to yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Psychotron, do you have any? Uh, very much the same thing. You know, have that conversation in the game, out of the game, to get the player to get to the same level as the rest of the table. And, you know, I, ha- I haven't had to kick a munchkin out, but I 
had to threaten them with that to get them to adjust their play style one time. So let's let's talk about the the play style. Like like we've stated already, I I feel the Munchkin is more from a negative space, whereas a power gamer can be from a positive space. They're just they just really like to make everything work, make the mechanics work, and and make a good combination that works. But as Zakara, who's listening uh, to us record, says, a power gamer can overwhelm the other people at the table because they can just start spitting out a lot of knowledge. And especially if you have a new player at a table, they can get overwhelmed and go, did I? And then when it comes time to actually do stuff at the table in character, they they may have a power gamer going, well, you can do this or you can do this. And next thing you know, they're not even playing their character anymore. They're letting this other person direct it. When you see that, what happens? That is a power gamer edging into Munchkin territory. giving unwarranted advice Mm -hmm. or because that to me is almost to the point of bullying to get what you want to be the most optimal Mm -hmm. where it's just like yes you're trying to be helpful but not in a helpful way or doing it in the way like if it's it really depends on the context and the situation if the player that's receiving the help looks annoyed mm-hmm. you bring it up at the table like hey but my my easiest way is like hey i have a lot more planned for this session can we not can we reduce the table talk during combat and just make a decision and go mm-hmm. and then you can talk to the especially if the the player receiving the help is looks sounds or looks to be annoyed and then mm-hmm. afterwards you can talk to the player giving the help I'm just going like, hey, can you uh, tone it down a bit? I get that they're a new player and they might need help, but it's making combat too much longer and we don't want to scare away new players or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just tone it down a bit if you don't mind. And usually that's enough to get it through. If they persist, well, then they're in munchkin territory. of Just like not listening to the advice, not participating, following the, the rules of what's it called? The... Uh, the rules set out for the table, like the, what is it called? Like the social contract sort table, of thing. Yeah, the social contract table etiquette. Yeah. You're not following that. So then you just have to deal with it somehow. If it's openly say like, hey, this person does not enjoy you doing this. Stop it. What if what if said player, receiving player is okay with it? What if they're so new and this person has so much knowledge, they're willing to receive that assistance? And they actually are welcoming it. Well, then that's fine. It's fine then. You're okay letting that power. Because now I have a new player who thinks this is how we play the game. One person tells everybody what to do. Uh, Sure. Or, or, I mean, it could go that badly. Or or they're going to learn how to power game. And that's fine. If they enjoy it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. If the table enjoys it, that's fine. If it's two people and there's four others because you're at a six player table and only two people are two people are taking up half of a turn of worth of time because mm-hmm. they're just trying to deal with stuff you just go as a gm i would typically just try and speed up the game just mm-hmm. go you know yes these two people this person needs help this person can help them if it's in person you can have them sit close together mm-hmm. or help and point out and do small things here and there Again, if it's warranted, if they want it. If and they want it, yeah. If they want it. 
And then when it's on their turn, you know, bring up to, to say they power game like, hey, you've given your advice. We need to speed up the table. So make a decision. If you make the wrong decision, I'm not going to punish you for it to the, the new player. Mm-hmm. You're, just, you're new. I'm not going to make you cry because you don't know what you're doing. Right. That's not fun. The whole point of a table is to have fun. Mm-hmm. And if the power gamer, if the new player is going to be a power gamer, enjoys the number crunching. I mean, sure, uh, that's your thing. But that can be done later. Most number crunching is best done away from the table. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I'm about, I typically, when I GM, want to make sure when you're playing, everything goes fast and just go, 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 so that everyone has time and spotlight. Mm-hmm. And if that's detracting from it, it's a problem. I have this thing about when I GM when we're doing initiative and everybody goes on their turns, it's not a decision by committee of what that player is going to do. We don't have to discuss it. That player makes their choice. They should have been thinking about it as it was approaching their turn. And when it's their turn, they tell me what they're going to do. There is no discussion for each and every player as to what's going to happen. I've actually been removing initiative from my games because i don't like it i don't like people having to wait for their turn people just say what they're going to do everyone at the table just maybe in a or maybe table or like i'll go like what are you doing what are you like looking at roll 20 for example i'll say first person in the list second person in the list third person fourth another person what are you doing no discussion and then i just have everyone roll Hmm. and then that's what they do for the turn Mm -hmm. it doesn't work well for shadow run because multiple turns Mm-hmm. per turn but for the most part that disables a lot of table talk and it works really well for games like pathfinder where you literally can just this is what i'm doing roll a d20 roll a you know 2d6 or whatever for a great sword or you just go and it's right there and other games like uh, traveler it works well it does not work well for things like savage worlds because they have a really unique uh, playing card style Oh yeah, initiative. Yeah, yeah if you if systems, you can just scrap it entirely. Initiative entirely. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things I've done is point out combat turns ten seconds. You guys have been talking for two minutes. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think the Munchkin and the Power Game are both. Well, now I I think the Munchkin is more wanting to talk about it and make sure everybody does something in their mind the correct something. I think some power gamers are very good at letting everybody do their own thing, but if they see somebody struggling, they will offer advice. But a power gamer knows what they're going to do. They've built their character to do the thing. And if it's their time to do the thing, they're going to do it. And and that's fine. I, I have seen power gamers who have really bad analysis paralysis. Oh. Oh, yeah. I think Where... a lot of people have that, though. I mean... Well, yes. <laughs> yeah yeah but... a lot of people have that without a net the shadow run that cast there sometimes fell prey to to that and it was like can we just move along <laughs> we just go yeah i do find power gamers do have a higher proportion of analysis paralysis mm-hmm. because they want to think of all the possibilities yeah to figure out again it's a beautiful mind it's great. Jealous that I don't have it, but it does sometimes take up the time. <laughs> yeah. 
which is why I do like, so usually analysis paralysis will happen with like a legwork phase, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of more combat-y stuff. Yeah. Which is why I do like the Blades in the Dark flashback mechanic. Oh, that cheat mechanic? Yeah. Yeah, it's a cheat mechanic. It's a cheat uh, mechanic. You didn't think of it, so you can just spend some of your uh, stress and just, mm -hmm. oh, of course I thought of it because I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. I know lots of power gamers don't like that. But then I do know power gamers and munch munchkins who both do like it. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a very weird mechanic, and I understand it's that. Oh no, I ran into. An, but to me, it's a, it's a cheap mechanic, instead of forcing you to problem solve creatively. Because just going, oh, flashback. No, I I planned for this. What? No, you ran into an obstacle. Creatively think of a way to problem solve. Go. I agree with flashback mechanics when they're used in a way where beforehand you could have thought of a solution, right? If you didn't have any way of knowing that there was going to be a problem mm -hmm. here, then okay. sure. But like going breaking into just a normal house and then the bad guy's running out the back door. Well, of course I set my guard dog out back to do something mm -hmm. because I would have known that that was a high chance of exit mm -hmm. of running away. So, sure, that one makes sense because there's a narrative reason for it to happen. But things like, oh, of course I brought my, oh, I knew there was going to be murder hornets here for some reason. So, of course, I brought my murder hornet repellent spray. Well, no. No. <laughs> um, so... I don't have much time left. I want to get into the idea of dealing with successes and failures at a table. I think both the power gamer and the munchkin hate when things don't go their way or don't go like if they get a bad role, like a power gamer will tell you that the role was bad. It doesn't meet the, even the average. It, it was, it, it's like a bad beaten poker for a, a, a power gamer. I think a munchkin just doesn't like it when he does when he goes bad and doesn't go his way. How do they deal with hardships or obstacles at a table? As a GM, you don't have to make them go through it. Well, that's so, fun. Well, no, no, no. They still so I'm at the table trying to have a good time too. You know. I get that. Okay. But, <laughs> oh, I try to pick the lock. Oh, you failed. Well, it's not because you're incompetent. It's because the door was jammed from the beginning. So you couldn't have done it either way. Or you pick the lock. You you succeeded in picking the lock because I need it to be picked for the story to go on. Mm -hmm. But you open the door and there's a guard right there. Right? So you succeed, but or it's either you, you, you fail because of you misunderstood the situation. Mm -hmm. Or you succeed, but something bad happens. So that way their bad role had an effect. I, f I find power gamers don't mind that so much. Like, yes, I failed my role. But I still did the thing. I still did the thing. Okay. There's a new challenge for me to overcome mm -hmm. because of my bad role. And then munchkins tend to not mind as much because, oh, I still succeeded. And there's like, okay, that's a great way to, they tend to go, oh, that's a reasonable way to deal with a failure-ish. Uh, but then there have been some things like, oh, well, I was listening for X, Y, Z. There wouldn't be anything there. And you just, well, you didn't listen well enough. And sometimes they'll get upset, but whatever. That's their own problem. Mm 
<laughs> Psychotron, any comments? Yeah, just, you know, most of the power gamers I've dealt with, they don't like failure, but they can deal with it. The Munchkins, you know, as I mentioned before, get literally upset that their character couldn't do what they were supposed to do, you know, and then try and come up with some bizarre reason why it should have worked. Mm-hmm. You know, again, going back to the flashback mechanic stuff, you know, well, I should have been able to do this. Well, you didn't. So let's talk about as as gaming as a whole, munchkins, how do they contribute in a positive way? What do they bring to gaming that's positive? And what do they bring to gaming that's negative? They're a good example of a bad example. <laughs> yeah. Like the that's definition. It? That's their only pro. The definition of munchkin is that they are bad. Yeah. Wow. Okay. How do they how do they hurt gaming as a whole? Oh. As God. a whole, how does it hurt tabletop RPGs for the other players, for the industry, whatever? So <laughs> they hurt because they cause GM burnout, probably far more than anything else. They when there's new players at the table, they can turn like they'll turn players away just because of how bad things were. It's just there's make fewer players and make fewer GMs because of their antics, their problems. Mm-hmm. That's the main downside. Mm-hmm. Psychotron, do you agree or do you have anything to add? I agree. And, you know, they can break up established games because they detract from everybody else's fun. Mm. Yeah, especially because there's some munchkins who are really good at arguing and getting their way. And that can detract to the fun of others. And if the GM doesn't catch what's going on, it will just make a game fall apart. Or it can split a table because of arguing that's happening. Mm -hmm. And so then still fewer games are being played. All right. So the power gamer, same question. How do they benefit gaming as a whole? How do they detract from gaming as a whole? Well, as we mentioned, power gamers have good rules knowledge, so they can help teach newer players, you know, mm-hmm. ways to work the system, I guess, without necessarily getting to that level. Yeah, they're great for uh, helping new players create characters. Mm-hmm. Typically, sometimes they will be a little pushy on, oh, but that's really bad. But yeah, it's great if you want to, if you want someone to make a good character, a power gamer is going to do it. And that's useful. But like other than that, I, I, I mean, with how I typically GM, power gaming kind of loses its efficiency, I find. Mm-hmm. Because you just don't care about the numbers as much. Because I don't know, I, I, I typically GM in a way so that all those optimizations don't matter. Or I just throw random stuff that, you know, oh, hey. I have a character, a caster who does only electricity spells. Well, all of a sudden, you are fighting electricity monsters that don't benefit, which is bad on my behalf because Mm -hmm. I should let the power gamer do their thing. But uh, you try to just, it's not as much of a problem because you just work around it. Hmm. What about for the gaming industry as a whole? Do power gamers make good play testers for game development? Uh, 
yes and no. Mostly yes. In my opinion, the biggest benefit that power gamers will give to a gaming company is not the playtesting, but they will buy every single book to find every single rule and loophole. Mm -hmm. So they're bundling money into the into <laughs> they the, support it the hobby. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that's probably a bigger benefit than good playtesting. Because you could have the most perfect rules, but if your GM at the table's garbage, well, there's not much you can do about it. You know, the best rules in the world aren't going to help a bad GM. Mm -hmm. But I, I think if your game has something that could be exploited or has a, a breakdown somewhere, your power gamer's going to find it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Power gamer will find the cracks in the system and break them wide open. Yeah, and the GM just says, oh, the GM can nerf it. Right, they can oh, yeah. just go. Uh, that's a little too much. Can you tone it down a bit? I agree, it's a broken system. Maybe don't. Well, that's what I mean. Before we get to that point, the game creator can let a power gamer try to break their system to help shore that, up that some of the exploits. That is true. It's just trying to get feedback from players is tough. So I was working. I was working with Opti on his Gangs of the Undercity, which isn't an RPG, but just getting feedback from play testers. It's like pulling teeth. It's like it'll be. Oh, we played a game. It went well. Well, what was the good parts? What was the bad parts? Did you have this or that? And he's like, Yeah, I died. I killed the guys I wanted to kill, and the guys that he killed, the guys he wanted to kill. Eventually, I won. It's very tough. Like, there's a reason that like video game companies play uh, pay like game testers to test their games, and there's not enough money in uh, tabletop gaming to really justify paid game testers as much. Mm -hmm. So, it's not really a market. Right. So then the other half, how how do power gamers hurt the gaming gaming as a whole? That's a tough question. Well, as Sakar has pointed out, they, they can overwhelm a table. But gaming as a whole, I don't know. What do they do that really hurts gaming? A lot of the same stuff as a munchkin to a lesser degree. You know, you've got that new player that doesn't understand the rules as well. And they just think, well, this game's going to be too complicated for me. I'm just not even going to bother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Hmm. I mean, yeah, on the same vein of, if they're being rules lawyery in a trying to be friendly way, then trying to, you know, a good power gamer will go like, hey, we just need to speed up the game. Or sorry, the GM will say, hey, we need to speed up the game. Let's just make a roll and let that settle it. A good power gamer will just stop and then leave it at that. And that's good, but bad would be no, but it's written like this, but then you're getting into munchkin territory. So... The whole thing is once a power gamer becomes bad, it's a munchkin. Yep. So I'm not sure. Like, they're only good bits for power gamers. Like, mm -hmm. some bad bits here and there. Hmm. But, yeah. Now, I, I mean, I myself, if that's how, if you're at a table and your table is cool with you munchkinning it, or if your entire table are a bunch of munchkins just trying to do whatever, I, God bless, have fun, whatever. I don't care. If it's a bunch of power gamers and the GM's cool with it, that's great. Have fun. It's good. When you have a mix of, you know, gamers who are very 
story-centric, character-centric players that want to delve into character growth and all of the storyline stuff, that isn't going to mesh well with a power gamer or especially... I mean, it could mesh with the Munchkin, but I think his stories kind of tend to be a little bit more outlandish. Yes, it definitely can work with a power gamer. Mm-hmm. And then if you have a good GM, you can really, and depending on the type of Munchkin, uh, you can really get it to work. So one of the ways to doing it is if everyone agrees to play a really low power, easy to die game, then the power gamer can really shine because everyone at the table wants their character to live. Mm-hmm. And so he can, you know, as long as they're okay with, hey, don't do this, don't do that. And then, or, sorry, as long, sorry, as long as the power gamer is okay with being told when to stop and knows when to stop, it's okay. But, you know, their system knowledge will be appreciated mm-hmm. because it will actually actively improve the survivability of these characters that the players, the story-driven players are really invested in mm-hmm. because of the high chance of death, of character death. The Munchkin probably isn't even going to join that game because their character's likely to die. You're probably going to have two, three character deaths before you get one that actually makes it through the initial gauntlet. Yeah, character death, a whole new episode. <laughs> People and their attachment to these sheets of paper. It's okay if they die. You can make a new one. No. Okay. (laughs) I've been wanting to do a game where when you create your, when you do your character creation, you don't even think of a background. You just roll, like it's for D&D, for example, you just roll 3d6 down the line, strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, and no class, d4 hit points, go. And that's how you start. And you're just normal villagers and then something horrible happens to the village and you just need to survive and get through the first gauntlet and then you make level one and you pick your class sort of thing but when you're making your characters you're making like four each because some are going to die and once your first one dies well then the second one gets introduced Mm -hmm. um that's something i've wanted to try just to get with some more story driven people and with some more mechanical focused people try and mix that up to see how well it does work because that, that that is a theory i have that i want to test out if you can do the easy death how well that can work and mesh interesting pick a time and a system i'm in <laughs> <laughs> yes tom many people wish uh that tom would gm for them i hear good things about him as a gm he's great as a player so Yes, I'm pretty sure you can find plenty of people that are willing to do your your theory test. Everyone, just DM Tom. No. <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. <laughs> I heard that pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thank you guys for talking about it. I think I kind of see the difference. I know sometimes people throw the two terms around as describing the same player, but I think they are very different players, in my head, at least. Uh, they can be difficult to spot at times because some power games yeah. are very similar to some munchkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, you can have munchkins that have no mechanical knowledge, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for that definition. Like who just want to have this super anime character out of the gate who can kamehameha everything first sight and not, you know, not have the spell slots for it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then get fussy and have a tantrum. 
Yeah, I, I, I've, I've had a, I've had a game where I've had a power gamer in it, and I've had a pow that power gamer rage quit at the end of the game. He came back the next week, but he was angry that that week, and he like rage quit the session and left. It, it feels weird as a GM because you're like, did I do something wrong? But then you talk about it with the other players, and like you didn't do anything wrong. Okay, <laughs> okay. They come back the next week, and it's like cool you know okay so they they can be difficult to deal with but they can be reined in as well it's a lot of conversation it's a lot of trying to find that balance especially more so for the power gamer than for the munchkin the power gamer it's finding that balance as player and gm and figuring out all right i need you to kind of scale back and then you know i know i still need you to be able to let you do your thing so how do we find that that balance and also amongst the players themselves to make sure there's no disparity. And yes, the power gamer has done a cost benefit analysis on the situation and he knows exactly what to do to make it the easiest to get through the most efficient and effective way to get through this problem. But the other players are going to go, no, I want to do my thing. And it's finding that balance between everyone at the table for it to really work out. I think a munchkin though is just, a munchkin and there's really no way to find a balance with it, especially if they're cheating munchkins yeah they're the worst they're the worst <laughs> i i still can't understand people cheating at a game <laughs> it's like, there's not even money on the line there's not even money on the line why are you cheating you know? <laughs> what are you doing you have nothing to gain why are you cheating <laughs> There's a great fit. If you cheat, you didn't build it well enough. <laughs> a munchkin. <laughs> well, thank you guys. Great talking to you. And uh, everyone else will see you. We do have a couple episodes left. We'll see what the next one's going to be. I haven't quite decided, but the last one for this year is going to be a retrospective where it will be myself and Grafa, who's the editor. Uh, we will discuss all the sessions or all the the shows, episodes, sessions, all the episodes recorded this year. We'll kind of talk about all of them and we'll probably discuss where we go from here if we go. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.